it's yet again, if you've never had a home birth and you don't know the difference between hospital OB care and midwifery care, you just don't know what you're missing. Yeah. You just don't know this. You would, everyone would prefer that. No <laughs> one would prefer get sitting in a waiting room with a bunch of other people. And then, you know, for who knows how long, um, and then having to go into an appointment for five minutes with someone you don't know, who's probably going to tell you to take off your pants mm-hmm. <laughs> for some re- reason that doesn't even matter yep. and isn't going to address your concerns, you know, and then, okay, I'll see you at your birth. Well, maybe not. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. know if you're making the best decision for yourself and your family? And what does it look like to have true informed consent? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 144 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Dr. Sarah Leahy of Birth Uprising. We'll hear about how she slipped into the medical birth model and how she was burned But then, and not to sound too cheesy because seriously, it's true, how she took matters into her own hands and rose from the metaphorical ashes. Now, before we jump in, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Kindred Bravely, a company that came to life in 2015 by Deanne Ackerson, a mom of two. She couldn't find any comfy, functional PJs while nursing her second son, so she decided to design her own, which led to a best-selling pajama set, the Davy Nursing and Maternity Pajamas. Why are these clothes so special? Well, they're designed to be both comfortable and adorable and functional from pregnancy to nursing and beyond. They carry it all, breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas. I am personally a huge fan of their lounge joggers. As in, I'm wearing them right now and probably will be for the foreseeable future. And I'm not the only one who thinks they're amazing. They've been recognized by Parent Tested, Parent Approved, the Cribsy Awards, and the Mom's Choice Awards. Deanna's mission of helping unite the motherhood community, so clearly expressed in the name Kindred, Bravely, doesn't just stop at the consumer level. She employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms who share her mission and values of community, generosity, bravery, and encouragement. So head over to their website, kindredbravely.com, and snag yourself something amazing. Use the code HAPPYHOMEBIRTH20, HAPPYHOMEBIRTH20, for 20% off. Some exclusions apply. Throw in some joggers. You will not regret it. Now, I'd also love to give a huge thank you to this week's reviewer of the week, Stodster10, who wrote, So good. Y'all will be so blessed by this podcast. Such good encouragement for all things birth. Stodster10, that is such a sweet review. I so appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who has left a review. I am so grateful because that is one of the biggest ways that this show gets in front of more possibly interested mothers and helps them learn about their options, just like in today's episode. So thank you. If you haven't taken a second to leave a rating and review, it would mean the world to me if you could. And Stodds or 10, if you could email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a happy home birth podcast sticker. Okay. Let's not waste any time and jump into the episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. I would love it if you could take just a moment here in the beginning to introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. So I am Dr. Sarah Leahy. Uh, some know me as Sarah Granite, which is my husband's name, but I never was in the beginning was too lazy to change it because I thought it was going to be so much work with all of our, you know, certificates and diplomas and whatever. Uh, and then I just, you know, continue to be lazy. I thought I'd change it when we had kids. But anyway, so Dr. Sarah Lady, I'm a chiropractor um, by trade. But in the last five years, since I had my first son, I've been home with my now three boys um, and have been working on helping women know their rights 
during childbirth, basically giving them information and helping them to ask more questions so that they can have a better experience. And when they come out of their experience, don't have trauma, Mm. uh, which is, which is kind of what happened to me. So uh, I live in Massachusetts, which is beautiful right now, but is about to be snowing any minute. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm so tired. (laughs) My my baby, who's just turned nine months, never poops in the middle of the night, but guess who did and destroyed the bed. So I've been uh, not, last night was not a good sleeping night. (laughs) I am right there with you. We had, so my two-year-old had her first bout of true illness, like true sickness last week. And I don't, it is like sickness for your child hits you in like a very physical way as well. Like it takes such a toll. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it was a week ago that it started and we are just now getting back to real life. So I'm still halfway zombie right there with you. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Then we're on the same level. Today. <laughs> we'll amble on through. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. That is such a such a helpful introduction. And as you were saying, you know, a lot of your a lot of your work now is relating back to your own story and experiences. So, I'm excited to dive into that. Would you mind kind of telling us just from the very beginning with your oldest son when you became pregnant? What was that like, and what was your plan? So I actually was pregnant once before him, which really changed the course of everything. Uh, so I, I got pregnant. I always assumed because I was I was a, a chiropractor and I have a degree in nutrition and I was a CrossFitter and a yogi and I took care of myself that I would get pregnant really fast. It wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be difficult and that things would go well. And that was the case. I did get pregnant the first time that we tried really, but um I, I ended up having a miscarriage. And so after that miscarriage, I kind of felt a little lost and felt like I had less trust in my body when I had always trusted that it would, you know, it, it would be fine. And so I, after that experience, I had trouble getting pregnant again. And so I actually stayed with the OBGYNs that I had, who were very nice. And they helped me through, I did two um, rounds of IUI intrauterine insemination. And the second one, I got pregnant with my first son, Bo. And Bo is five. So that whole process and it being, you know, really medicalized, I think changed uh, my perspective on things. And so I just kind of, I kind of enjoyed the the monotony of a lot of the appointments and being there and feeling like my hand was held because I felt like I needed that because obviously my body couldn't do this on its own. And so I stuck with them, even though my first pregnancy, my plan was a home birth. I stuck with them and I said, you know what? The hospital's five minutes down the road. Our insurance covers everything. It's a really good hospital. Um, Just gonna stick with the people who helped me to get pregnant. So I did. Um, And I, in the back of my head, there was this little voice that was quite literally saying, don't go there. You'll get, you'll have a C-section. I was like, (laughs) <laughs> no little voice it's gonna be fine uh and that's what happened she'll listen to that little voice it's like those you know that little person on your shoulder in a cartoon like I should I should have listened but I ended up going to the hospital there was no emergency there was no real reason I was just taking a long time and you know one thing was leading to another and they kept pushing interventions and eventually I would agree and I had a doula but eventually she had to leave because she'd been with me for basically a full day and she was still breastfeeding. And so after she left and my husband, this was the first time he'd seen anyone in labor. He was uh, not in a place where he could be super supportive because I think he didn't really know what was going on. Right, and right. I eventually agreed to a C-section. And um, for two years after that, I ended up with depression, anxiety, PTSD from that. And so, and it really changed me. I went from a really confident person to like a shell of myself where mm. I you know I was doing the best that I could but I'd have flashbacks and nightmares and every time someone I knew or didn't even know but heard of had um a birth that I was envisioning for myself I would feel guilty 
I would get upset. I'd ask my husband. I think I asked him one time because then I, I'm a very logical person in that I know what is pointless, like asking him, why didn't you, why didn't you make me stop? Why didn't you tell me? No, you knew I didn't want that. There's no use in me saying that to him. It's just going to make him feel bad and we can't go back. Right. So I think in my, in my desperation in the early days, I did ask him once, um, but you know, it's, it was done. There's nothing I can do to go back. I can only move forward and make different choices the next time and perhaps use my bad experience to help other people avoid that. Mm. So um, I went through, it was 16 months. I got pregnant again. I mean, gosh, it's how hard must that have been to have already, you know, you started off this pregnancy already struggling and feeling this sense of, oh, my body didn't perform the way that it was supposed to perform. Mm -hmm. And then having this second trauma layered on top of that, mm -hmm. how, when you became pregnant again, again, with, with the next baby, how did that impact that pregnancy? So I, I think since my first pregnancy and losing that one, I was always a little bit nervous because I had told people really early on with the first one, which, you know, people should be able to do that if that's, that's what they want to do. Right. But for me, I was happier waiting, knowing what had happened to me before, because when you go back and have to tell people that you're not pregnant anymore, it's super awkward for mostly for them um, they just don't know what to say they they feel bad but if they've never been through it they can't really relate and it's such a weird topic at least in the united states that people just don't know how to respond to you so i decided i would wait a while so um with my second i waited until i was probably like 19 weeks or so mm. And I had started, I said, this, this one I, has to be different. I am not going back to the hospital. Um, so I actually hired a home birth midwife and it just didn't work out between us. I think we had, she ended up going on vacation and she didn't tell me. She, oh. didn't, she didn't give me a backup. Or, what the heck? <laughs> I know. And she went international and she was like, I'll just get back to you on Monday. I was like, Oh, she just, I think she's probably very good at her job. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when the time comes for your birth, gotcha. but I think she was newer to having her own practice and some of the ins and outs of that, that kind of communication. I think she, she literally said she just forgot, like she thought she told me. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm not so confident in you right now. So I'm going to have to say bye-bye. I'd only had one appointment. Mm. And then I was like, what do I do now? I don't want to go. I don't want OB care. I don't want to go to a hospital. But I also was having trouble finding somebody else in my area. And so all of a sudden, it just, it was like a light bulb went off, like in a cartoon. And I said, why couldn't I just do this myself? And so I decided to have an unassisted birth with my second, which was the complete opposite of having a surgical birth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I knew that, that for me, that was the safest choice for me to have all of the information that I could on any topic that I was worried about, have a backup plan, you know, know what to watch for, have the supplies. Um, and we're only about 10 minutes from a hospital and two minutes from an ambulance. Um, you know, I knew what I was getting myself into. And for me, that was a much safer situation than going back to a hospital where I was oh, yeah. probably going to be harassed and forced into things. And I just wasn't going to do it. And it was the best decision I could have made. Everything went perfectly um, when it came time for the birth. And it was really super hard, but um, it really, it switched me back on. It took me from that shell of myself back to a confident person because I for sure knew it wasn't me. Mm. It was the system that I had subscribed to that I had, I'd been set up to fail. And then they just wave you goodbye and then don't care what happens to you. Yeah. And, it, or, or how, what happened to you that day impacts you forever. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanted to find out after that, if other women had experiences like this, I was like, I can't be alone. 
right? So I, I started a Facebook group and this was uh, three years ago. Was this, this was, so this was after your unassisted birth? Yes. Okay. So this was a, cu- a couple months later. Um, I was like, I got it. I have to do something. What do I do? I need to find out if other people had these experiences and I want to help people not have the experience I had because it's got to be happening. And so I started a Facebook group. It grew to about 600 people. It wasn't huge. It was mostly people I knew in real life, but it was really eye-opening for me because it showed me what other people had experienced. The, it came flooding in the first few days. People were just sharing their stories. And I was just staring like, this, this is so much worse than I thought. Ugh. The stories that people were telling me, stories that they had never told anybody else, um, because it's so not accepted to mm-hmm. share what's happened to you in the hospital. You're just supposed to be happy. Right. You have your baby. Come on. Right. Your baby was born and you're alive. Mm -hmm. You know, and you always see those pictures of, oh, last bump photo. And then the next photo is the baby with eye goop, with Mm -hmm. the hat on, wrapped Mm -hmm. in that striped blanket. In a bassinet. In a bassinet, right. In a plastic bassinet all along. And you're like, where's the, for me, yes, the baby's beautiful, but what happened to the mom? Yeah. that matters what happened in between that last photo and that it's a huge thing and any woman who's gone through it knows it's a huge event in your life mm-hmm. and a crazy thing to go through and to just never talk about it just seems so insane to me yeah if this happened to men they'd be talking about it all the time right they'd be like we're so amazing can you believe what we're, what we're doing and, and they're oh. telling us Shh. that is crazy i mean you know especially when and and now like it's it's so clear. There are so many more people coming out and talking about it's a rite of passage for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. Like this is the most like monumental moment and we're just glazing past it and just, Mm -hmm. Oh, and here's the baby. Like what the heck? (laughs) Here here it is. (sighs) Right. And now, and now you just go back to your normal life Mm -hmm. and, you know, just take care of your other kids and are you going back to work in a couple of weeks? And, you know, there's just... Do you need a birth control prescription? Right. Oh, my God. No, I don't. Because no one's coming near me for quite some time. <laughs> don't worry. Leave me alone. I know. They're so worried about that. Yeah, so um, I made that group. It made me realize I wasn't alone, and it was worse than I thought. And so I started using it to kind of collect data, like informal, informally. I would do a lot of polls and questions to see what people's experiences were. And I was like, you know what? I got I to gotta go bigger than this. I got to get up. Like, I love this group and I love these people, but I can only ask the same people the same questions so many times. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not getting more information out to help other people. Mm-hmm. And so I started an Instagram account um, maybe two years ago, about two years ago. And I uh, had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so it was bad for a while. I still but have no idea. <laughs> you're, I, don't, you're doing I don't think anyone does because they keep changing it. Right. Just randomly deleting people's accounts. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So whatever. It, I've gotten okay at it because it's not my whole life. Some people are really organized and they, you know, they plan out all their posts and stuff. And I'm like, oh crap, I haven't posted something in a week. Yeah. I, should probably, I should probably put something up there. Um <laughs> But so I started this account so that I could kind of have a wider reach, hopefully, and um, expand out and reach some people that I could that I could potentially help. And so I basically my account is so it's Birth Uprisings, the name of my account, um, which is also my website and all of my things. And on my Instagram account, I, sh- I do share about my life and my kids and stuff like that. But I also share about uh, different topics that you're going to be confronted with during your pregnancy and things you may not know or questions maybe you should ask uh, or alternatives that might be available that no one's going to share with you or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And um, I think people appreciate that because I really don't, uh, I don't censor myself mm-hmm. a lot. I think there are there are people who I don't know, really haven't gotten a lot of backlash lately, but uh, I'm gonna knock on some wood right now. Just yeah, go ahead. I'll do it. Like I'll do it for trolls. you too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to deal with trolls because it's, it's a time waster. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the people who are perpetuating and causing the trauma are hospital staff, and 
every once in a while there's someone who says not all hospital staff are the same or I'm a nurse and I'm a good nurse and I'm like well you may be and then this mm -hmm. isn't about you then okay? <laughs> this is about the people who are doing this to other people and they don't care mm -hmm. you know and the system that sets up women to fail also um, if you're a good nurse then you know that that's true Hey mamas, I'm going to interrupt for just a second to let you know that I have a totally new, totally free home birth guide for you. It's called the top eight home birth resources checklist, and it is full of clickable links that will take you to the best podcast episodes, educational resources, and classes regarding home birth in order to get you ready for this life altering experience. Want in? Just head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash top eight to get your hands on it. Okay, back to the episode. Well, I find it funny, like I'm a chiropractor and if somebody said, chiropractors are, you know, they're awful, they're quacks mm -hmm. or, you know, something bad that, that, that you could say. And yeah, there are some, there are some creepy chiropractors. There yeah. are some chiropractors who don't don't do a good job or try to swindle you into things or and it's the same way in every profession there are bad people mm -hmm. in every profession it doesn't make the profession bad it means that there are bad people and the, those people went into that profession mm -hmm. so there are bad mechanics there are bad plumbers there are bad dentists there are, you know you got to find the person that's right for you not swear off that whole profession so are there good ob's yeah there are mm -hmm. but because they're and, and nurses too it's not they've subscribed to a system that tries to control birth right. and it's something you can't control. And the more you try to control it, the worse, the worse it goes. Mm -hmm. And they think that they're helping because they want to jump in. They want to get their hands in there. They want to help you, help you, help you. And by helping, I'm doing air quotes, by helping, <laughs> they're actually causing more problems that then need more fixing and more fixing and more fixing. And they don't realize, I don't think, that they're causing a lot of this trauma mm -hmm. uh, because the system's also not set up for them to figure that out because right. they say bye see you later and then six weeks go by you have your one appointment so you can get birth control <laughs> and, and go back to weightlifting or whatever it is you want to do and that's it they don't like the screen for depression is very minimal that probably isn't caught a lot of the time i know it wasn't for me you know you're trying to put this facade together to make it look like you've got it all together because you're a new parent you're tired and you don't want people to think you're a bad mother mm -hmm. and so a lot of it gets missed and then they don't see you again mm -hmm. so how are they supposed to how is anyone supposed to help you like what kind of a system is that right and then you think also about their training and the mm -hmm. way that the you know the training is set up to teach them the things that they do in the hospital so there's just this yeah, it's, right. it's, they're just in their own silo. There's no, you know, there's no ability to say like, hey, but look at physiological birth. Like, look how this goes. That's kind of cool, right? Like, mm -hmm. they don't get that opportunity to even That's really not even see a it. Thing. Yeah. No. Well, I think it's it's crazy to me that they lump birth in with all of these other things. That mm -hmm. it's it's not something that needs to be fixed. It's not, you go to the hospital for all of these other things that you, you have an issue or an illness. And then this is like the opposite of an issue or an illness. You're, <laughs> you're bringing forth new life into the universe. And you, it's such an incredible thing. And it's not, unless there's an emergency, which is rare if left alone, is, mm -hmm. it's not a medical event. Right. And to try to medicalize, it just makes it, just makes it so sad <laughs> it makes it so sad it makes it just not as like you said a, a rite of passage it's not seen that way it's a transaction almost and yes it's, it's cold and I, I don't know but for yeah. some people they want to be in a hospital they need to be in a hospital that's you know it sh it should be an option and I understand why it's there but it's it's way overused in mm -hmm. my opinion well obvious that's not even my opinion there's, there's <laughs> that's a that's a fact it's also a fact because over 99 about 99 percent of people well women have have their babies in a hospital and they never even think that there's another that there's another way right and i think that's what's so so disheartening is yeah. just the fact that i mean like you said if if that's your choice if that's your educated decision and you feel 
amazing about going and having that hospital birth, then who am I to tell you no? That's fantastic. But if you don't even know that home birth is an option and it's a safe one, then that is not informed consent. Like that's just, that's just censoring information. Oh, there's no, there's no informed consent. That's basically Mm -hmm. the point of my, my Instagram account is you deserve, I don't care what you choose. I obviously have my own opinion on what I think is best based on my experiences um, and based on listening to thousands of women's stories. Right. um, All of whom might I add, if, if they've had a home birth, almost no one ever says my next birth, I'm going to be in the hospital. If you've had a hospital birth and then you have a home birth, you're like, why didn't I do this all along? Mm -hmm. This was so much better. Yeah. The satisfaction rates. Right. So so high. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's crazy to think that you would want to control somebody's choices in, in that respect, which is I, which I never do. I want everyone to know all of their options. I want them to know what it's like to have a home birth, that it is an option. How do you find somebody? You know, what's it like? All of your choices, if you're going to be in the hospital for your prenatal care and, you know, during your birth and beyond so that you can truly have informed consent to any of the things so that when you do choose that, say something did go awry, you knew that there was a risk. And at that moment, when you made that choice, you were making the best choice you could with the information you had in the space that you were at that moment. Like say you were in a lot of pain and you're at the hospital and you wanted to get an epidural and you know that there are risks, but you know those risks and at that moment, you don't care. <laughs> you, want, mm-hmm. you decide to get the epidural and that works and that's right for you. So if something does go wrong, you know you might kick yourself a little bit saying, I kind of wish I didn't, but at the same time, you went in informed. You knew mm-hmm. that that was a, a thing and you made that choice for yourself. There's so many women who go in and then they're pressured into something that leads to something else. And they wish that they had known yes. that, that there were these side effects or this sequela of events or whatever it is. And they may have made a different choice had they been given that information. Uh, right. They're never going to give you that information. You got to find it for yourself. Exactly. And I think the on the outside looking in, the super frustrating thing about it is that in general, the medical field acts like, oh, we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. We got this. We're going to take care of you. And then when something hits the fan, it's like, well, we did all we could do. It's just, you got to deal with it, like whatever. And so, so really like the responsibility, they act like we've got it. We've got this responsibility. It's ours. And then as soon as something goes wrong, it's like, well, really it's all you like, so then you realize like, actually this is your responsibility, no matter what, even right. if you're allowing somebody else to do something for you, still mm-hmm. your responsibility. And that's just not discussed. No. Well, and I feel like that's not discussed in just kind of all life events. Yes. And any any other medical care or, you know, why people don't take personal responsibility a lot of times anymore. And I think it's really funny that when it comes to maternity care, you know, if you went in to go have, I don't know, a knee surgery or something like that, if you injured your knee and you went in and it, it seemed minor to you, but you wanted an opinion and you had some imaging performed and a doctor says we definitely need to operate on this and we need to do it immediately we can get you in next week you'd probably be like whoa 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 (laughs) slow down guy I'm I want to know more about what you saw and I want to get opinions of other people and maybe try something a little less invasive before laying on the table under anesthesia and you cutting into my leg Mm -hmm. like if that ends up being the the best thing then I'll do that but if it's not an emergency right now I'd like a little time to think about my options and see what's what. And usually, I mean, you may get a little pushback, but usually they're like, okay, you know, it's your leg. When you are pregnant, you go into the same situation <laughs> and someone's got a white coat on. You're like, just tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'll take the test. You want to get on the scale. You can swab whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And you don't know in questions like, is this necessary? What is this testing for? How likely is it that I'm going to get that? Or my baby's going to get that? If we do get that, how likely is it we'll get sick? What is the treatment? Like, you don't ask any of the things. You're just like, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you go go on and everyone gets the same treatment. 
every time at, at you know at every gestation for all eternity and and you're like nameless faceless i know i was with that second pregnancy i so i ended up still going to ob care i went back to i started at ob care because i just wanted to confirm the pregnancy mm -hmm. then went to the home birth midwife didn't work out with the home birth midwife um went back to the ob care because it was right down the street just so i had some paperwork Right. Like that showed I had formal care because I had never had an unassisted birth before. And I wanted to make sure that I had some papers so people weren't going to come after me mm -hmm. um, and accuse me of negligence, which, by the way, it is not negligent to do your own prenatal care. You are very capable as a human, if that's what you decide, to take your blood pressure, prick your finger if you want to know your blood glucose, pee on a stick, like weigh yourself. There are lots of things you can do if you decide to do a whole unassisted pregnancy that what they do besides ultrasound for the most part and some testing that they do in labs um it's not rocket science the people that are doing most of that are techs right they're not and they're using automated machines they're not they're not above you they're not smarter than you mm -hmm. you know we're all on the same page here um but i decided to get the formal care because i felt it was the best choice. And I basically just declined everything and got saltier at every appointment. And, <laughs> and eventually, I'm pretty sure my, my OB ended up being kind of afraid of me, I think, because I asked questions and she was like, what? She I came don't, at I don't me have a prepared with, answer. Yeah, she didn't. No, she didn't. She came at me one time with a, a Doppler to do ultrasound. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that anymore. You can use a fetoscope. And she was like, fetoscope? Fetoscope. <sighs> I, I haven't used a fetoscope since high, since high school, since, since medical school. Mm -hmm. She said, when we were in school, there were three Dopplers and one fetoscope. You should, this is something you shouldn't tell patients, by the way. Um, and she said, whoever got to the table with the, the equipment fastest got the Dopplers and the leftover person got the fetoscope. And I was like, I'm really confident in you right now. <sighs> she was like, I don't, I don't know if we even have one. I'm going to go check. And I was like, mm, I'm going to guarantee that's no. <laughs> so she left the room. Don't worry. I brought my own. <laughs> right. And I did. I was like, it's fine. I have one at home. <laughs> it's fine. I can do it myself. I don't need yep. you to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we didn't do that anymore. But she was like, what? What do you mean you don't want this? Yeah. So I ended up ghosting out of that because they, they don't, they act like they're so concerned about you. So mm -hmm. concerned. Make sure you have your appointment. Well, take this test. We want you to be healthy. You you don't even know my name. I walk up <laughs> to the front desk and you're like, name please. Like I've done it 40 times, like literally 40 times. And you don't know my name yet. Like I, I can see that we have, a, actually my doctor, that doctor, she didn't even realize she hadn't met me on my first visit. She walked in, she's like, hey, how you been? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, am I in the twilight zone right now? <laughs> I don't, I don't know you. <laughs> right. She was like, mm -hmm, yep. So good. Wait, wait a minute. Have we met you? I was like, did you not even look at the chart on the outside of the door? No, I was like, oh my God, these people are so inept. That's so very painful. Yeah. So it wasn't, I actually went and I looked at the hospital too, just in case. And I was like, oh God, no, I can't be here. Um, but I ended up ghosting out. Of, I was like, we ended up having a problem with our, um, our refrigerator. And so I had an appointment the day that the refrigerator guy was coming and I was like, oh, can't go. And then I was like, you know what? why continue going honestly because i'm not going to give birth in the hospital and every day i get closer to my due date they're going to be like mm, maybe we shouldn't do so mm, you've gone too long oh we should schedule that c-section just get it on the schedule because we're mm -hmm. real busy <laughs> i was like you know what i'm just not going to go anymore and it was the best choice i could have made they did harass me a little bit mm -hmm. they made a phone call oh you missed your appointment make another appointment left another message oh Oh, we're so concerned about you. Are you okay? Know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> then they then they sent me an email. Then they sent me a snail mail letter, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna look at my records now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so bye. So I got my records, and then I just waited it out, and it just happened when it happened, yeah. and and everything was was normal, and it was lovely. I'd um, love to hear a little bit more because you said you know I did I I prepared for the scenarios. What did you do? to feel confident in your you know like did you read any specific books or do anything to get ready for that so i mostly i started out with um my first search was what is this even called <laughs> and so i learned that uh but i think i googled 
do women give birth alone or so, something like that. And somehow I came across at the time, the free birth society mm-hmm. had a Facebook group and I joined the Facebook group and just learned a lot, asked questions or listened to other women's questions and, um, listen to a lot of the podcasts and mm-hmm. other women's stories of kind of how they had been treated like me and uh, not everybody, but a lot of them and how they had decided to take control. And this was the best choice for them and how it went, you know, further birth and then going forward. And people would ask questions too about, you know, what if something goes wrong? What are the, what are the something? So what if, what if I hemorrhage? What if the baby's not breathing? What if the cord is around the neck? What if all the, all the things that people are scared of, I basically broke down each one of them. Instead of saying, what if something goes wrong? I was like, well, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Because people have this general idea, I think just of home birth in general, super dangerous. Even if you have a midwife, oh my God, they're not prepared. Like they just come with like a backpack full of snacks or something. Mm-hmm. Like they have stuff with them. <laughs> because they've done this before in case things happen. Um, but I, I looked up all those things and I was like, all right, what the information was what gave me the confidence truthfully. So I looked up all the things that could, could go wrong, you know, how common they really were, what makes them more likely to happen? Uh, what do I do if they do happen? Uh, are there things I need to purchase like tinctures or you know, whatever that are helpful? Um, and then my, my emergency plan. And I mean, the emergency plan was really, we'll just call the ambulances, right? Right. (laughs) Because we're not, we're not far away. And I was like, please don't let that happen. I really don't want to have to go there. Um, but that's what gave me the confidence was learning about the things that I would have to deal with and knowing what I would do in each situation. And then, uh, teaching my husband some stuff and he, listened to a lot of the podcasts too. And that gave him some more confidence and then just going with it. Mm. That's really uh, exciting to hear, especially because, because you were saying, you know, with the first one, it felt like he, he didn't really know what to do either. So he was, no, he had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. So being able to kind of empower him with this second birth as well. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Well, and I think it was, I don't know. I, and I've had three births now, so I'll tell you mm-hmm. about that one after. But yeah. the the second one was, it was just normal. It was just, you know, I went into labor and I had my two-year-old son with me. And I was like, we were at Trader Joe's and I'd stop and have a contraction. And we, we went to the pet store and I'd stop and have some contractions. And then I got in the car and told my husband, called him because he was at work. And it was like 9 a.m. And I said, no, you don't have to come home. It's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> so like he came home at six or whatever. And, um, you know, we just prepared everything. And our son the next day went to a friend's house because it was, it took a long time. And he was just, he would have once in a while come over and be like, can I get you anything? You want a snack? You want a something? And I was like, there's nothing you can do. Just leave me alone. <laughs> he was like, all right, I'll clean the whole house, do some laundry. Should I go work on the patio? Like, it, it was just a normal life event. It wasn't mm-hmm. like this huge, scary thing. I never once felt like I was unsafe or something was wrong or I needed to be worried. Um, it didn't even cross my mind. And had I been in a hospital, it would have crossed my mind all the time because they would have been like, oh, look at the monitor. Mm-hmm. You know, so and that was a really great uh, experience for me to learn to trust myself again. Um, and that it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be the way that it was the first time. Right. And how did you end up giving birth to that baby? What, what was that kind of, what did, what did it look like? Were you in the water or? I was, so both my second and third, I have a pool. And, uh, so we ordered the pool ahead of time and I was in the water and I had fetal ejection reflex with Mm -hmm. both of them. And I just funny enough was watching, I was so I do drawings of um, different, you know, birth-related things. And um, I was working on a drawing from my last birth and it reminded me of it. And I was like, oh, I want to go watch the video. And it was like a grainy video. I had a mid- two midwives with my last birth. But um, just the very end of the birth, 
where he where he just shoots out into the water <laughs> like a torpedo um and i didn't do that my body did that i did not push i did not squeeze i did nothing my body just shot him out into the water just to see it it's like it's so crazy that a human just, just, shot my just body torpedoes like yes and they both and they both were like that they just <laughs> i was in the water i was on hands and knees um and in two contractions with my second and in three contractions with my with my third my body just shot him right out it's just the sound like the, the sound that plays in my mind when i think about it, my own was just like, ah! like it's just, i'll just never forget that noise oh my god the, well the noise that i made it sounded like that yeah I, just like and you scream i mean i don't know if everybody experiences this but if, if you have fetal ejection reflex which is your body squeezing the baby out of you it's it's very akin to vomiting mm -hmm. where you it's uncontrollable and your body keeps doing it to get something out and it's mm -hmm. you know when you if you've ever vomited and you just don't have anything left in there but your body's like mm, we should try again <laughs> keep squeezing and you're like you know because you all your air is gone mm -hmm. and you can't you can't go anymore that's how it was for me both times i would basically yell in a, in a DPL that I was in no control over this. I wasn't doing this. The body was doing this, but I was, I was yelling and I would yell to the point where I had no air left and you could hear me go uh, 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 because it was con still contracting, but I had no air left. Um, yeah. I'm glad I have that video. <laughs> yeah. It's, it really is. It's so amazing. It's just, there's, no, I, you're right. It's, I mean, vomiting, which saying like, oh, it's so amazing. It's just like vomiting, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say it was it's really hard like yeah. my births were very very difficult and for me very painful um but hey look they're over now <laughs> I made and now I'm telling you the story yeah, yeah. but yeah it was it was a good experience even though it was it was hard work I wouldn't do it another way I knew what I was getting myself into the third time and I still did it anyway right well and I'm curious about that third birth so you did choose to hire midwives with that one what was that like and what made you make that choice so I decided to do that because <clears throat> I wasn't gonna go to the hospital or have OB care that wasn't gonna happen unless I really needed it which I did not mm -hmm. um and I really wanted to see what I did truthfully need the care. I'm doing air quotes again. The them checking on me, you know, all of the visits that I did, I was like, it, it was more of like a social interaction mm -hmm. than it was um, care provider and someone downstream from them who's less important. It was sort of peers right. for me. And so they, I declined almost everything. I didn't they would check my blood pressure and listen to the baby on occasion. Um, but, and once in a while I pee on a stick, but I didn't do any blood work. I did one ultrasound, um, which I debated a lot because I really didn't want one, but at the same time I was like, oh, it probably would be good to, since I have had a C-section, make sure the blood sensor is not near my scar, make sure it's not covering my cervix so that I can be, relaxed about that when it comes time to have a baby right and so i had one ultrasound um i didn't do the gestational diabetes screen i didn't do the group b strep test um so it was more of getting to know them and i think that's hugely important to get to know these people who are going to see you naked pooping in a pool mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. because you want to be comfortable with them and that's not how the hospital system is set up at all. I usually get like a group of maybe, you know, five, 10 doctors who all work together. You want, they want you to get to know, I'm doing air quotes again, <laughs> everybody in, in that practice, which really means they want you to have a visit with them mm -hmm. and they don't get to know you. You spend five minutes with them. And the next time they have to look at your chart to see what you even talked about. And that's partially them and partially just the way it is because they have to see so many people, right. they can't remember everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just not set up to be what I think it should and needs to be. So having that, having the midwives, the, the benefit for me was I got to see the difference mm -hmm. and it's huge. The difference is huge. Um, you have appointments that are 45 minutes to an hour. 
you get to ask all the questions, get to know the people. Um, you know, they do a home visit where they check out your space and, you know, plan for, you know, where they can put things and what's going to go on. Um, and it was just, it, and, and I was respected if I said, you know, I don't think I want to do the, the groupie strep test. And they, they know that I'm educated on that. And they'd be like, all right. Or if I had a question, like, you know, why, what, what's your opinion and why, why would I do it? And, and they would tell me, you know, if you go to the hospital, then this is what will happen or, you know, whatever they give me their opinion. And then I get, then I get to the side and they respect that. What? That's not, <laughs> I'm that's sorry. Not, what? <laughs> that's a, I'm sorry. Are you, you listen to me? You heard what I said. <laughs> do you know my name? Uh, yeah. So I, I was glad that I did that both for the like camaraderie of it, because now having been in, in the birth space and, you know, talking about birth for a couple of years now, it was nice to, to ask them questions that weren't pertaining necessarily to my care, but to kind of get to know them and see their thoughts on X, Y, and Z. Um, and to just have that time also away from my other children. Yeah. <laughs> I could sit and just, you know, and relax and talk and uh, and get to know them and yeah it should always be that way it's mm -hmm. yet again if you've never had a home birth and you don't know the difference between hospital ob care and midwifery care you just don't know what you're missing yeah you just don't know this you would everyone would prefer that no <laughs> one would prefer get sitting in a waiting room with a bunch of other people and then you know for who knows how long um, and then having to go into an appointment for five minutes with someone you don't know, who's probably going to tell you to take off your pants mm -hmm. <laughs> for some re reason that doesn't even matter yep. and isn't going to address your concerns, you know, and then, okay, I'll see you at your birth. Well, maybe not. Yeah. Or maybe I'll could never see anybody. you again. I don't know. <laughs> right. It could be anybody. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so, and. Also, this just makes you the most relatable person ever in the birth world since you have had <laughs> every so single relatable. kind of birth. <laughs> so relatable. And <laughs> up, to, up to my C-section too, I had a lot of interventions that you would have had in a, in a hospital vaginal birth too. Yeah. So I, I had an epidural. I had my water broken. I had, I didn't have Pitocin, but I ended up with an IV. I ended up on continuous monitoring. I tried nitrous oxide. So I tried a lot of things mm -hmm. that I said I wasn't going to do. Um, and I will say too, one of the reasons that I'm glad and both times I was glad I was home is because that's when you, like, you can tell if you've, if you've been in the hospital before, I mean, even if you haven't, when you get to a certain point where you're like, I'm just so done with this. Like, I just mm -hmm. want this to be over. I'm really tired. You know, it hurts. I'm exhausted. It just keeps coming. Um, where if someone was like, you know. I have this magic potion <laughs> and if I give it to you, you can't feel it anymore. Do you want it? Yeah. The, <laughs> like, the little shoulder devil. <laughs> right. You'd be like, well, you know, I said I wasn't going to do that, but right now I kind of want that. But mm -hmm. if that's not available to you because you're not in the hospital, because you purposefully chose not to be there, then you, you can't have that. Right. You know? And so it's you're not on the table. Right. You do it. You make it through it. It's done. And you're like, oh, thank God I wasn't there. Cause I totally would have taken that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I yeah. think a lot of people do that. They, they go into the hospital thinking, I'm going to have a natural birth. I'm not going to take any medications. I'm going to have the best birth I can in the hospital. And, uh, and it's going to be good. It's going to be fine. And then they get into the situation. They didn't know what they were getting into. And they're in pain and they're tired. And the hospital won't let them eat, even though that's not evidence-based in any way. They won't let them drink, even though that's also not evidence-based in any way. And they succumb mm -hmm. they're like fine you're making this so miserable for me <laughs> yeah I mean it, it is it's such an uphill battle I feel like and that's what is is so hard is that sometimes I think moms will say well you can have a natural birth in the hospital and absolutely you you can you know you can avoid those things but I don't think the realization is is like there's another side that you can't control. You can't control how often the nurse is coming in and saying, "Oh, honey, don't you just don't you just want an epidural now?" And you know mm -hmm. the all of the pushback from the other side and how hard it is to swim upstream because mm -hmm. that's essentially what you might have right. to do. Right. It's it's basically 
you're, you're planning for, you try to plan for the physical part and you try to plan for the stuff that you're going to need for the baby and for you and for whatever, but you don't, you can't know the psychological warfare that you're going to mm-hmm. face until you get there because they want you, it's easier for them to be able to control what's going on in the room. It's easier for them. It's faster for them. It's a business, you know, and they make a lot, every intervention they do, they make more money. And when they do surgery over, you know, just stand there with their hands out while you do all the work and catch your baby, uh, they make more money for surgery and it's faster. It's, they can schedule it. Mm -hmm. Um, And to them, there's no difference. So so why not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But you don't, you don't know any of that. I find that the, a lot of the, the women that I talk to are women who had had a traumatic birth with their first and then realized, oh, wait, this is bad. Mm-hmm. And then they, they decided to do things differently the second time because you can't, it's like anything. You can't know what you're getting into until it's already happened. Right. If you decide to go to the hospital. Um, and it might be fine. Like you said, there are women who go into the hospital and they have a birth without medication. I would not call that a natural birth because right. you're still gonna you're still gonna be in a bed probably with a continuous monitor on. You're still gonna be harassed. There's still gonna be bright lights and things beeping. They're still gonna put you on a clock. Um, and it's not like a, a natural birth to me is what would happen in well and here's i've gotten uh not harassed but kind of corrected a few times by people talking about natural birth we're not supposed to say this anymore (laughs) i'm going to keep saying it and i've looked it up natural just means it happens in nature without the interference of man Mm -hmm. so if if no one else was there if you were a woman in the forest having a baby if you were a deer in the forest having a baby if you were a bear in the forest having a baby Mm What would it be like? And that is natural. Yes, sometimes things go awry, awry and we need help. Mm-hmm. But natural just means no one's doing anything to you. Your body does it without thinking. You can do it without help. Um, and there aren't, you're not confined to hospital protocols. You're not in a bed in a Johnny, uh, which I don't know, does everyone call a hospital gown a Johnny? <laughs> I, I have not <laughs> I heard that, that, but I definitely will now. <laughs> that a Massachusetts thing (laughs) Um, but I don't know why it's called that now I'm gonna have to look it up Uh, let me know (laughs) yeah I'm gonna have to I'll keep you posted but all all those things every step of the way as soon as you leave your house your nest where you're comfortable just like a bear would you know go into a cave or whatever bears do Mm -hmm. um, and animals are left alone that are mammals in the zoo to have their babies and you know you're told to stand back don't bother them they'll the process will stop it'll hinder them yet we're mammals and we go into a bright cold place with strangers and they start poking you with stuff and you're supposed mm-hmm. to have your baby yeah, it's yeah you guys get problem. it for the gorilla but you don't get it for us that's right fine that's we're, fine <laughs> we're worse. We're yeah worse it's it is i mean you're you're right it's as soon as you step outside of your space it's anti-physiological birth like it is the opposite of the physiological process Mm -hmm. well and And, people have their babies in the car because they're and the car is the so uncomfortable like i had a five minute mm -hmm. ride and i wasn't Mm -hmm. even in like active labor it was still early for me even that five minute ride was horrible i can't imagine like women who have an hour ride Mm -hmm. or like get caught in traffic or whatever like how uncomfortable that ride is for you a nightmare. So just that, just stepping out of your house, packing a bag, and going to a new place. Yeah, it's the first intervention right there. Mm-hmm. Is is leaving leaving your space where you're comfortable. Yeah. So. So yeah, the third the third I had the midwives, and uh, I had to make sure during all of our discussions, I was like, "Listen, you know what I did last time. I don't want people touching me. Mm-hmm. Just want you to be there." Right. But, <laughs> do anything unless I ask you to and then could you just clean up and make the food and we're like yes I'm really paying you for a cleaning fee (laughs) right could you just clean up that pool so my husband doesn't have to do it this time um and that's what they and that's what they did they you know they checked the baby's heartbeat here and there um suggested I get out of the pool once because 
I thought at like 11 a.m. He was coming. I was like, he's t- I can totally tell he's coming right now. And so I stay in the pool for like three hours because I don't, you know, there's no time when right. you're in labor. And my hands look like a person that they pulled out of the river. <laughs> <laughs> it was like pruny, but like just extreme. They were white. Right. And like, so it was time to get out of the pool. And that did help. I knew that it would help me to progress, but I just didn't want to do it. It did make me mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. But I did get out and I did, and I did progress because I did get out and got upright. Um, I was on all fours, but like to stand and then like hang on my husband and stuff or lie, lie on my side or, you know, whatever, whatever I did, but it did, it did help. So they would make suggestions here and there, but for the most part, they just sat back and they were quiet and um, I, you know, there's nothing they can do. I did it all on my own. And then the baby was born and then they helped me to kind of get cleaned up uh, my blood pressure tends to drop mm. afterwards I did both times that I was home to just make sure that I was okay and like you know they were checking my blood pressure checking my pulse um you know helping me get some granny panties on and and cleaning up the mess and making the food checking the baby and I will say that was nice because that's one of the reasons I wanted to have uh, midwives this time was to n- not have to think so much mm. um afterwards because when you're the only person there I mean my husband was there but I felt like it was really my responsibility because I did most of the research and made that choice um that I had to be not not just in my birthing brain where I'm you know proud of what I did and oh here's my new baby but also in a clinical brain where I now I'm thinking, all right, am I bleeding too much? What am I experiencing? Is the baby breathing? Does he sound like he, do I need to suction him? You know, all the, all the things. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to have to think about that afterwards. So I was glad that they were there mm-hmm. for all of that too. And everything was fine. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really have to think about it. Like I was watching the video back. I, like I told you, um, my son, he came out and he was looking around very alert, but he didn't take a breath for probably 30 seconds. And I was so out of it that I didn't even realize that he hadn't taken a breath and it's fine. You know, if he doesn't mm-hmm. take a breath for a little bit, but after a while they were like, come on baby. And they gave him a little tap on the butt and he started to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I didn't want to have to think about that. And they were there to think about that and everything was fine, but they're, their job is to be overseeing that. And so mm-hmm. I was, I was glad that I had them. And if, if we have another one, I'll have them again because uh, yeah. it was just so nice. It it, nice that sounds them. perfect. I mean, yeah. that sounds like just yeah. such a great way to have them there, but not that they're like active per se, just there when you need them. Right. And, and they aftercare, like, mm-hmm. you know, they stayed for a while, they cleaned up, they made sure we were fine. They, prepped our couch so I could lay there and sleep there and wasn't going to destroy it. And, <laughs> um, and then they, you know, they come back at one day or two days and then four days and then a week and then two weeks and four weeks and six weeks. And you don't get that, you know, and you're also, if you have OB care, you're also, um, you can get in contact with them at any time. So if you have a question and you're still in that postpartum period, they can help you. Mm-hmm. They can recommend you know, you go to X, Y, and Z place if you need specific help, or they may can have another appointment with you and come check on you. But you don't feel like you're doing it all alone. You feel like I used to, I looked forward to my appointments because I kind of missed them, you know, because right. I'd see them all the time. If I had to go back to the doctor's office, I'd be like, Ugh. well, and that's the thing. They come to you too. Mm-hmm. They come to you after these appointments because you need to rest and you shouldn't be having to lug this giant carrier, which we all lug the car seat into these appointments, like two days postpartum when you're bleeding. Right. You know, and you're like so soft and squishy and just went through all this stuff. And now you're carrying this giant thing across the parking lot. Yeah. Right. Across the parking lot, probably by yourself right now, because Mm -hmm. they don't let anybody else come to your appointments. And so it's just for so many reasons, so much better Mm -hmm. (laughs) to stay home in my opinion. Oh, well, I'm right there with you. And I really do like the the way that you were able to compare the your free birth experience with midwives. And those are such mm-hmm. great points of aftercare and, and just even having a, someone to bounce ideas off of mm-hmm. um, where, like you said, you are an equal, you're not 
like, oh, we got to go take care of Sarah and make sure Mm -hmm. she, it's no, like this is a peer to peer relationship. That's Mm -hmm. so important. Um, Dr. Sarah, as we, as I mean, I just kind of never want this to end because this is such a good conversation, (laughs) but as we come to a close, I'd love to hear if you've got any kind of final overarching pieces of advice that you would give to a mother considering her options. I would love to hear that. And then I would also love it if you could tell the listeners where they can find out more about you, where they can get their hands on some of your really cool stuff that you create, because you are just amazing. Oh, thanks. Um, I think the my teaching style is asking questions to people. So I really like, I don't like to tell people things because people don't remember what you tell them a lot of the times. But if you ask them a question, they have to formulate an answer in their own brain. A lot of times they remember that better and they think more deeply about what, what the right answer is for them. So to me, the best thing you can do, regardless of what kind of birth you're planning, is ask questions, ask a million questions about, you know, ask, ask to your care provider, ask to your partner, ask to your friends, what were their experiences like? Learn about the hospital you plan to go to. Don't discount home birth. See what is available in your area. Um, you know, talk to different, talk to different midwives and see what home birth would be like. And just don't, don't go along with what is standard because you're not standard. Mm. everybody is different every situation is different um and I think we acknowledge that and a lot of other things we're all very different people with different lives and different needs and different medical things um but when it comes to birth we're all supposed to just get on the conveyor belt so ask questions about if you're going to your appointments if you decide on OB care they say next week we're doing the gestational diabetes screen you can say what is that why would we do that what is the likelihood that uh, I would have that? What happens if I do have that? What are the treatments? Uh, what could happen to the baby? What do other countries do? Does everybody do this? What are the alternatives to this test? Don't just take it unless you want to. But you know, if you, do, if you don't want to and you wanna, you wanna ask questions and find out if it's right for you, ask all of those things. I know that it is hard sometimes to know what to ask. And that's one of the barriers for people, I think. Um, I am working on something to help people with that. Um, I'm working on making a workbook for all of these questions. So Mm. one for, I'm starting with one for pregnancy and I'm going to make one for birth and probably postpartum too, where I outline all of the things you're going to need to make choices about and then questions to ask about each of these things so that you can look these up on the internet, ask, you know, look up research, ask your friends, ask your provider, talk to your partner, talk to your doula, talk to whoever, and write down what the answers are, and then make your choice based on all this information that you now have about like, just like I did about the GBS test just now, I mean, Mm -hmm. a gestational diabetes test, you can do that about anything, you know, but what are the questions to ask? So it'll have it all outlined for you so that you can feel like you're prepared and mm-hmm. feel like you really know all the angles and all the options so that you can make the best choices for you, no matter what they are. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that, but I have three children. So I'm very slow. Right. But that's <laughs> amazing. And yeah. in, in theory, that is fantastic. And I can't wait yeah. for, for that. <laughs> I believe it's a good idea. I just mm-hmm. now need to get it into, make it a thing. And I think I'll probably have it downloadable and printable because mm-hmm. um, I mean like a printed copy, because people, people like different things. Um, but so yeah, so I'm working on that. I also, I make art, which I am slowly working on getting to print so that people can uh, order prints of my art. I've made uh, quite a few line drawings that are kind of birth specific. Um, and then I'm working on some ones for nurseries and it's all kind of baby and mama and birth related. And I have some PDFs I've made that are more for people who really want to dive into certain topics. Um, It's definitely not for everybody. Uh, I have one on holiday births, like why are there no births around the holidays ever? (laughs) So there's one on on that, one on your pelvis not being too small, one on um, 
what else have I made? Oh, nuchal cord, cord around the mm -hmm. neck um, and all the research on that. Um, so there's that. And then I started making affirmation cards. So I make birth affirmation cards that are they're ones you can color. So you can color them, your kids can color them. You can bring them to your baby shower and your friends can color them, write messages on the back. And then you can make like a garland out of them and hang them in your birth space or bring them with you to your birth or whatever. And just remember all the positive things that you're looking forward to in the birth and that you have all these people behind you. And then I made a set for kids to because mm. kids need affirmations too you That's know true. give them some give them some positive words about themselves and they repeat them and they get to color all these animals um so that's what i've done so far that's <laughs> a very, lot it's very slow going but it's working but it's, it's amazing it's, you've just got so much information so many great resources birth uprising is your handle on instagram and yes. you said that's also your website yes Awesome. Well, I, I can't recommend your information enough. It's so enjoyable mm -hmm. to follow along with you. And this conversation has been just so amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Sarah, for taking the time to come and to share all about your experiences. It was just such an honor to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Okay, you probably know this already, but I cannot tell you how thoroughly I enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Sarah. She is such a wealth of knowledge. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I've picked a few of the amazing aspects that she discussed to revisit. So number one, Dr. Sarah's first full-term birth experience, her second pregnancy, left her feeling like a shell of herself. I wish this were uncommon, but how many times have we heard such a similar sentiment? What's just another day at work to the care providers at the hospital is a life-defining, life-altering event for the mother, and to treat it as anything less than such is not justice. Which leads me to my second point. The system isn't even set up to recognize birth as a life-altering rite of passage. It has no idea. And as Sarah mentioned, it really has no idea how poorly it's failing anyway, due to the lack of postpartum care and lack of attachment to its clients. They didn't even know that they hadn't even met her before. And finally, picking just one last point, even though there are a solid 10 I'd like to cover, you cannot have informed consent without understanding your options, without asking questions, without doing your own research. I love the fact that Dr. Sarah not only encourages mothers to do this, but that she's one of the women out there providing resources to help them along the way, to help you along the way. I can so deeply resonate with this idea that, heck, I don't care what you choose for your birth. I just care that you are informed and confident when doing it. So don't forget to follow Dr. Sarah on Instagram at birth uprising and check out all of those amazing resources on her website, birthuprising.com. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.